Hello, I'm Gillian, and you are Desley. Desley, and welcome to our podcast. Uh, working title, mysterious, but who knows? It could end up being Happy McSnappy's door pants, door pants, murder gang. Who knows? Um, but we're going with mysterious for the time being. Okay. Um, how are you, Desley? Really well, thanks. You will probably hear me call Desley Mum. Because that's what she is. She's my mum. So feel free to also call her mum if you want to. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about two unsolved mysteries today, which we find very interesting. Professional um, So mum has researched one and I have researched another one. So we're going to go first with mine. Uh, and <laughs> mine is everything that a horror movie slasher film should be. So on Saturday, June 4, 1960, four teenagers do the most summer horror slasher movie thing ever and they decide to go camping. No, just don't do it. It's not worth it. Five-star hotels all the way. Um, So they camp along the shore of Lake Bodum near the city of Espoo in Finland, which is near Helsinki, um, and arriving in true 1960s summer style, they're on two motorcycles. So there's two couples. uh, Both girls were 15, and their names are Mela Bjorklund and Anja Maki. I would like to apologise now for any pronunciation if there's any Finnish people listening. Uh, And their boyfriends were both 18 at the time. Uh, and they are Nils Gustaf, sorry, Nils Gustafsson and Seppo Boisman. Uh, so the last time any of their family's friends or their community saw them was on the 4th of June. So at about 6 o'clock the next morning, uh, and remember that summertime up in Scandinavia, Nordic land, the sun never really goes down, so everything can still be seen. Um, so about 6 o'clock there's boys who are bird watching, very summerly activity, I guess, in the 1960s. Um, and they reportedly see the tent collapsed and a blonde man walking away from the site. Um, so the bodies of the victims were then discovered about 11 a.m. by this man who everyone is so preoccupied with stating that he's a carpenter. It kept saying that the bodies were found by the carpenter at 11 a.m. And I was like, what is a carpenter doing in the middle of the woods at 11 a.m. in the morning? He was jogging, but apparently you can't be a jogger and a carpenter at the same time. Um, so he then goes and tells the police they turn up at about 12. So at this time, the bodies have been out there for six hours. And this is what the police find in the tent. In the tent, we have Anya, who has been stabbed and bludgeoned. Seppo, who has been stabbed and bludgeoned. Then on top of the tent was Mela, who was found half naked and even stabbed more times than the two in the tent. She was also bludgeoned. And Nils is next to her, having been bludgeoned. But Nils is still alive. He is. Was. Still is. He still is. I believe. I'm back in 1960. <laughs> so the police put together that the attacks, the attack must have occurred sometime between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m., so quite close to when the birdwatchy boys were out. So Gustafsson, Nils, wakes with no memory of what happened except that he thinks he had seen a glimpse of the attacker wearing black with bright red eyes coming for them. And if that's not terrifying horror movie stuff, I don't know what it is. Is Nils blonde? Ah, good question. Um, from what I can see, no, he is of a darker head oh, okay. persuasion. I don't. I I know the basics of this story, but not. Yep. Yeah, so Nils is apparently facts. from the photos that I can see. He's probably my colour, maybe a few shades lighter than me. I don't think the people listening not colour um, I'm quite dark, <laughs> um, but he's no. 
he's no Sven from Sweden, if that's what we're thinking oh, about okay. him. Not, he's, right. he's, okay. he's not like that. Um, so the police deduce, and I'm going to point out, there is a lot of criticism about how the investigation was conducted, so we might want to take a grain of salt how the police made these deductions. Um, so the police deduce that the killers um, had injured the victims, not from inside the tent, but had attacked them from outside with a knife and an unidentified blunt instrument through the sides of the tent. So I don't know. How do you attack someone? With, how do you bludgeon someone through a tent? You stab through the tent. So you think oh, you stab? Or you hit through the tent. Yeah, but do you stab them? Mules looks blonde in this photo I'm looking at. Oh, okay. So do well, you? You know, dirty blonde. Do you stab them first to because there's four four people in the tent at this point? Well, I've so, never bludgeoned anybody in a tent, so I I don't, I'm not quite sure what this person did. Yeah, so I can't answer that. I'm well, I'm just trying to think. Like, how would you? You think if there's one of you, because the police are saying it's a single killer. Unless they were drugged. Oh, okay. Did people get drugged back in 1960? I'm sure they did, but there was nothing nothing ever discussed about drugs. But But they probably wouldn't have looked for drugs or being drugged back in those times. Um, So they went through the crime scene um, and there were missing items of the victims, which included the keys to the motorcycles, but the motorcycles themselves had been left behind. Their wallets and some items of clothing were missing, uh, in particular Nils's shoes and Seppo's leather jacket, which apparently was a source of major pride with him. He had his motorcycle jacket. Um, but they found the shoes, didn't they? Yes. So Nils' shoes and some of the clothes were discovered partially hidden about 500 metres from the murder site. Uh, and we'll come back to that point in a minute. So the police, in all their 1960s Finnish wisdom, didn't cordon off the site. They didn't write down what they found at the crime scene, <laughs> but they did keep the tent. Um, so almost immediately police officers, um, passers-by, press, everything, they were on the scene and absolutely trampled it. They also brought in soldiers to assist with searching the lake in case they'd disposed of, like, the leather jacket and mm-hmm. the keys in yeah. the lake. Nothing was ever found. Um, and the soldiers also trampled the crime scene. So not a lot that we can say there. Um, the murder weapons have never been located. Ever. Um, so do we want to hear about suspects? Okay, let's be okay. spontaneous. Yes. So um, before I do that, there's been a little bit of talk on podcasts at the moment about citing sources and making sure we're not plagiarising people. So I just want to let you know that the main lot of information that I found for this case is from um, the website All That's Interesting, an uh, article called Lake Bodum Murders, Finland's Most Famous Unsolved Triple Homicide by Katie Serena. Also from the Red Handed podcast, um, episode seven, the Lake Bodum Murders, and also um, on imga.com. Um, the person, capital T, little O, capital N-E-S, Tunes, um, their page had lots of information that I couldn't find. So when we talk about the suspects, I am going to go off the suspects that the red-handed podcast guys talked about because they actually had a Finnish guy on called Timu who actually had a lot more information because he can read Finnish and has read the books and there's not a lot of English about it. So our first suspect is a guy called Penti is what they called him. It's not his full name, but he was known as Penty. So Penty was a maintenance worker, lived in the area, and had been convicted all through his youth uh, uh, for con- uh, violent crimes. And at the age of 24, so that's how long he'd been arrested, he's back in 
prison at 24, uh, he confessed to the crimes. Police wrote him off. Nine years later, to the day of the killings, he hanged himself. So people think that that's quite... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? But did he hang himself or did some? was he in jail? I don't know. That, okay. that I don't know. Um, but he hanged himself on the day of the murders nine years. So people tend to think that that might be a sign that, that could, or that could be somebody else hanging him. Oh, listen like, to you. I know. Your conspiracy theories I'm are amazing. I'm such a mother. <laughs> um, but, no, it could, it could have been somebody else hanging him that was related to... One of the victims. Well, the police wrote him off and said it was a suicide, but at the moment I don't know how I feel about the Finnish police after their investigation of the murders, so who knows. Um, so the next suspect is a guy called Karl Valdemir Gillström, uh, known as Valu. Now, he's a kiosk keeper uh, near Lake Bodum. So kiosks are like in summer where yeah, you go. Yeah, but he didn't like camping people. No, he didn't. So the people in town. He, really was, he was really in the wrong job. The people in town. So this guy owned a kiosk. So the kiosk sells like ice creams and coffees and newspapers yeah. and stuff. And supplied campers. For the campers. And what like. he used to do is throw rocks at people who came down his street, yeah. cut down the tents and punch them in the face. I he was related to Nana. <laughs> so people knew Gilstrom as violent. Um, and of all of the campers that were in the camping, he was not a fan of young people at all. He used to target them specifically. So when you look at the ages of the 15 to 18 age mark that the Lake Bodum guys were, he was not a fan. No. But again, in 1969, nine years after the tax, he drowned himself so in that's two, Lake yeah. Bodum. So two went in 1969. Mostly by suicide. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely by suicide. Now Was he, he suicide? Here we go. He killed himself the day after he'd got drunk and confessed to a friend in a sauna that he'd murdered them. This seems to be like a group thing happening here. So we are two for two at the moment mm. with confessions and, and murders. Suicides, yeah. Yeah. Now... Let's go back to the police. Got to love these police. <laughs> the police just get better. Um, police found no evidence to link him to the actual murders and his wife had given him an alibi for the night. Uh, <laughs> they were sceptical about his confession because they thought he was disturbed. What, just because he threw rocks at people? Apparently. Mm -hmm. um, and the day after the murders, he was apparently seen putting stuff down a well on his property. Was the well ever searched? No. No. Okay. Day after he drowned, his wife retracted her statement about the alibi and said he, she wasn't with him on the night, but that he'd threatened to beat her if she didn't say okay. what he wanted to. Okay. Police never mm. did any DNA tests on Gilstrom. And it's now too late. Did they have DNA back then? They, well, I know that they could have stored got, it. They've got the – they kept the tent. So there's blood oh, spatter okay, yeah. and everything on the tent. So the thought was that, like, if you've got a knife and you're bludgeoning people, you might cut yourself accidentally, especially if they're trying to fight back. Um, so there should be some type of blood stuff on the tent. Hmm. So – but they never – there's there's nothing left of his now because he died in 1969 that they can test against – the tent and the blood samples, yeah. right? Um, so there was a book put out by a local politician called Ulf Johansson and he grew up in the area and he knew him as a kid and he absolutely believes that he is the killer. 
Um, he also apparently lived less than a kilometer from the murder site and was seen by two of the bird watchers walking away from the murder scene. So I don't know if he's blonde, but two of the um, two of the bird watchers said that they saw him out of that group. Now, what are your thoughts on Valdemar at this point? Um, yeah, well. He ticks a lot of boxes, right? Well, they both tick a lot of boxes. But, you know, I, I know what you have up your sleeve. Yep. But there is somebody else, isn't there? Hans Asman. Hans <laughs> Asman. Asman. And listeners. Yes, man. Listeners. A-double-S-M-A-double-N. His name is Hans Assmann, German national. So because of his concussion, Nils, the survivor, um, went under hypnosis to see if they could remember, if he could remember anything and try and come up with some type of composite sketch of this attacker with the bright red eyes that he saw coming for him. Um, And I've got to be honest, what Nils said and what the sketch artist came up with is the most frightening thing you've ever seen. If you Google um, Lake Bodum suspect sketch, it looks like Stephen King and got together and wrote a Popeye comic. Like it's the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life. You also look at it and think there's no one that can look like this. This man, though, is blonde that Nils has described in this picture. So... You think this guy doesn't exist. Then there is a picture at a funeral for one of the victims and lo and behold, there is that frightening horror movie killer face standing out of the crowd. Look up that photo. That is also frightening. Um, And that guy is Hans Assman. So on June the 6th, 1960, that is the day after the murders, day after the bodies were found, Hans walked into Helsinki Hospital dirty black fingernails and red stained clothes. No one ever says they were bloody, just says they were stained. Now, would you like to know why? It was presumed they were bloody. But do you want to know why no one can say they were bloody? Because nobody took the clothes and nobody did tests. Correct. But before that, he walked in, they asked what was wrong with him, like what, because he had obviously the red stains. He said he was painting. He asked for a paint thinner, a solvent, and took all the red stains off his own clothes. <laughs> yeah, okay, well. So. Whew, let's all move to Finland. <laughs> when he's admitted into hospital, and I don't understand how this works, he is acting very um, suspiciously. He is amazingly aggressive, yet also feigning unconsciousness. Now, how do you aggressively <laughs> feign unconsciousness? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You've seen your grandmother. Because <laughs> that is an Academy Award if ever I've seen it. If Meryl Streep can show me aggressive unconsciousness, that would be amazing. Sinners. So the lead, sorry, the receiving doctor, <laughs> um, and I can't remember his name. I know it's Matty, and I want to say Palausen, but I've probably said that all wrong. Sorry, I said I said a name and my dog's looking all around the room because it's the same name as my brother and it's not Palalson, <laughs> I'll say that much. Um, <laughs> so this receiving doctor um, knew something was up with this guy, right? So he took the clothes, packed everything up and called the police to come and get them. The police didn't come and get the clothes. No, because... No, because- because the Finnish, the Finnish police. police in 1960. Now, 
They didn't have to. Hans Asman mm. lived several kilometres from the shore of Lake Bodum. Uh. <laughs> As a suspect, he was not taken seriously by the police because he said he had an alibi for the night of the murders. Right. He is also linked to two other murders in 1959 and one a little bit earlier, which happened in very similar circumstances. Okay. Now, in 1977, he was diagnosed with cancer. Right. He called a Finnish novelist and said, I need you to come because I want to talk about some stuff. And he gave a deathbed memoir where he says he was a sleeper KB, KGB agent, he was a Nazi guard at Auschwitz, which has been confirmed, and he was also the murder the murderer of the Lake Bodum kids and also the unsolved murder a few years earlier of a girl called Kaliki Satri. Now, what happened in that case was they made it look like, he says that they made it look like a murder because he was on a KGB job and his driver had hit her while she was on her bike. Oh, right, yep, and I've so heard of that. Yeah, instead of having to make it look like a traffic accident, right. they made it look like a murder. I, I can't tell you why. I have heard that story. Yeah. Um, so if you look into that one... Hans Usman is tied quite closely to that. But then in 1959, only a few months before the Lake Bodum murders, two nurses were murdered by a lake camping. Uh, <laughs> and um, Asman also had ties to the um, area. To the area. So what are we thinking of Hans Asman right now? So we're three for three for confessions. We are. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone's putting their hand up for this one. Yeah, and the police are saying no to all of them. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. So what are your thoughts on Asman? Well, I don't, I don't know. I had heard about the girl getting hit before and then they, got, they went back and moved the body. Um, at, the, oh, at the moment, I think he would probably be my main suspect, especially over the rock thrower. And it also helps that he looked like the stuff of nightmares Well, as he well. did, yeah. He, he, he did know that. But then we have to yeah. look at who your next suspect yeah. is probably going to be. Now, the, the, which is quite... the birdwatchy boys hmm. said that they saw someone blonde walking away from the campsite yeah. with long blonde hair Yeah. <laughs> just before he admitted himself to hospital. Yeah. He cut off all his long right, blonde long hair. Long blonde hair. Okay, yeah. right. Hans Asman. Right. All right. So then we have one more suspect. We have. So in March 2004. This so suspect was arrested <laughs> we're look- and sent to trial. We're looking at, what, 45, almost 44 years yeah, after the murder? About, yeah, about that. Nils Gustafsson, the survivor, is arrested. I find this very interesting. So the Finnish National Bureau investigations say that the case was solved based on new forensic analysis. So now that they can use DNA, they got out the tent and the shoes and everything else that they had left over to test. So they put together a narrative that on the night that everything happened, Gustafsson had been drunk and there's actually um, Anya, so Seppo's girlfriend, who was in the tent, she actually kept a journal which they had and her last entry says that both boys had been drinking heavily, that the girls hadn't, but they were both drunk. Um, so they said that Gustafsson had been drunk and then excluded from the tent when he attacked the other boy, getting his jaw broken 
in a fight which escalated into him committing the three murders. So he tries to get a bit frisky with Mela. She says no. Seppo tries to push him out. They get into a fight. Seppo breaks his jaw because he had skull fractures and a broken jaw. Just they like were, a family Christmas get-together, really. His injuries. Um, they throw him out. And then he comes back and murders them all. Don't know whether he tries to rape Mela, but obviously most of the um, aggression from the murderer was put on her body, who was also oh. half naked, and she was stabbed post-mortem as well. Um, so Gustafsson's trial started in 2005. But hang on, he was found stabbed. So he had stab wounds, but they were... Um, they weren't serious. They were, like, shallow. So Okay, but all right. So they say that they're self-inflicted they're at self-inflicted. this point. Self-inflicted. That's a lot of stab wounds. Was they, he trying to kill himself as well or? Well, that's. Well, presumably. presumably yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. So anyway, um, when he was arrested, apparently he was arrested by, like, a hero cop of the Finnish PD, and I don't know how I feel about what their hero cop is if they're not listening to anyone. They've had three confessions and no one gives a crap. No. Um, and what he said was when he was arrested and taken to the cell was, fuck it, it's done. What's done is done. I'll get 15 years. Then at a press conference when asked about that comment because they brought that up at trial, Neil's response was, I was probably joking when I said it which I find strange. So back to this. <laughs> um, the trial started in 2005, so almost um, well, just over a year after he was arrested, um, and his defence said that the murderers were the work of one or more outsiders uh, and that Gustafsson should have been incapable of killing the three people given the extent of his injuries. Now, I find that interesting because, to me, bludgeoning someone and stabbing is usually the work of two different perpetrators, like someone would hit you and someone would stab you. I can't see one person doing both. Oh, I can see one person doing both. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I find I, – I, You just bludgeon them into – Submission and then Submission and, that's and right. then stab. And then somebody might move, like, oh, my God, they're not dead, and then yeah. you bring out the knife. Yeah, okay. Why you'd be doing it through the tent, though, is – Is interesting, though. But unless it's a sneak attack, do you know what I mean? You get them down first and then – Well, it depends how big the tent was, too. I mean... The tent was actually quite small. There's actually pictures of the okay. tent if you look at it. And like I said, they kept the tent, and at his trial they brought the tent back out. It was – it's macabre. The picture of macabre of seeing mm. this tent up yeah. in um in the room. But, no, I, 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 yeah, I'd say that – if it, like if it was him, I yeah. don't know if it was him so or not, but he could have bludgeoned. And when then... Gustafsson oh. was found, he was found. It says next to Mela, but he was actually over the top of her. He was on top of her, right. on top of yeah, the tent, yeah. right? Yeah. And he was um, barefoot. Okay, so it's always been known that the shoes worn by the killer and left by him five hundred meters away had belonged to Nils. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so modern DNA analysis was significant for the prosecution because it showed that the three murdered victims' blood was on the shoes, but Gustafsson was completely absent. It wasn't. And there was also blood marks, blood, bloody footprints around the tent that matched his shoe thing. Right. So I find, it, I find it strange that a killer would steal someone's shoes to murder someone and then... I, yeah, I just find that weird. Like, if if I've read lots of Agatha Christie if books, I know, I but if you find anything weird, <laughs> I think if you're going to do that, do it with no shoes on. 
Do you know what I mean? Unless they're trying to frame that guy. But then the police guy. and the army and everyone ruined all the footprints and everything. Yeah, so they've got. I think they've got photos of those. So what? What? What did he presumably do? Like murdered them and then took his shoes five hundred meters away and then come back. Yeah, apparently and stabbed himself. Yes, on top of the girl. So have you seen Scream? It kind of happens that way in that movie, which is why I say this is like a horror film, um, a slasher film. So, oh, I had a really good point to bring up. So the shoes, okay, so the the um, the victims, the dead people's shoes, they had blood spray on their shoes from from them, um, but there was... Sh- there so was what, the Vic, well, why were they wearing shoes if they were going... No, 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 so, like, because obviously you have your things in the tent, like, oh, or you okay. have your things oh, yep, outside. Yep, so their shoes were found with blood spray on them. Nils's shoes were covered mostly in Mailer's blood, but there was blood inside them from fingerprints from someone putting, um, like shoes on. Yeah, putting shoes on that had actually had blood all over their hands, but they couldn't get any fingerprints out of those things. So it's the shoe thing is so weird. Well, like, well, it is because who puts their fingers inside their shoes to put them on? I do, like around the sides here yeah, when yep, you pull yep, them on yep, up the okay, back. Yeah, you would. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's why I was like, that's weird. Um, so the prosecution said <laughs> that Gustafsson must have stabbed at a diff- must have been stabbed at a different time to the attack on the murdered victims and that the only explanation was that Gustafsson's knife wounds had been self-inflicted after he committed the murders and then he took his shoes off. So the prosecution attempted to then bolster their case by an identification of another two of the bird watchers saying that they had seen Gustafsson was the man that they had observed at the scene of the so, crime. So 44 years later they found the bird watchers, brought them back and they identified him. Correct. But they couldn't identify him that day. No, but another two also identified them as... Um, Another two of that also thought it was Gilstrom. So there was bird watchers everywhere. There was a group of bird watchers. Oh, I thought yeah. there was only two bird watchers. No, there was a group of bird watchers. Okay. So two of them said it was Gustafsson. Another two said it was Gilstrom. Um, <laughs> was Gustafsson, was he the rock thrower? No. Yes, he was the one who hated kids. Right. <laughs> hated yep. campers. Like, <laughs> like, you'd get another career, right? Like, be a prison guard. Like, I think <laughs> at least. <laughs> You're allowed to throw rocks at a prison guard. Um, so even in Finland, I'm sure. Yep. So here's the thing about, like, Bodum. So at the moment, it sounds like everything's quite. Um, Bizarre. You've got, that, you've got that whole type of isolated slasher movie feel but it was summer in a camp spot so it was actually quite populated and there were homeless people living in the woods just back from it so are we looking at one of them that's just come to steal stuff because some of the clothes were missing and then the bike keys were missing and their wallets were gone that's right blame the homeless people (laughs) let not blame the Kid that's there stabbed laying on top of a woman or the guy that throws rocks (laughs) at people. So anyway, in um, two months after the trial started, um, Nils was acquitted of all charges and also the state of Finland paid him 45,000 euros Mm. um, for the mental suffering that he he had caused, uh, that he had caused, that he had suffered. Well, if he did do it, and I just yelled that, but if he did do it, he probably has suffered mental suffering for 44 years. Is for doing a really, really horrible thing and to like his block, friends. And blocking it out. Like, But did he block it out? If, if he did it, I don't know if he did it. Well, out of those four, who do you, who's your who's your number one? All of them. Oh, I don't know. The rock thrower makes me wonder. But um, out of all of them, oh, gosh. 
I don't know. You want it to be Nils because it's four people go away and three are dead and then there's shoes walking themselves over to things and <laughs> leather jackets disappearing, which you shouldn't laugh because it's a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. Um, and if I give you a name, you're going to say why, and I'm going to say I'm not telling you because I'm your mother. So, <laughs> Which really helps for the podcast, who do I guys. Go, who do I go with? I, I'm going to go with Hans Asman. Okay. Hans Christian Asman. <laughs> I think that's I, I don't know. He's. You know, blood on the clothes in Helsinki yeah. Hospital. The thing is, the KGB or something. Yeah. See, so this is the, the and, only. And then I, I don't, I haven't read. That would be a very interesting um, thing to look at as well. Kaliki Stray. Yeah, Kaliki Sari. That the we might look at that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Not not at the moment. No, though, not now. Football's <laughs> about to start. Um, but yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I can just, I can I throw something? I out want of, it to be Nils. Can I throw something out about Hans Asman? Just throw it out there. Okay. From what I can see, this was a very messy attack. There's crap everywhere. Do you know what I mean? There's mm. nothing that seems premeditated about it. I think if you're a KGB agent and an Auschwitz guard, you would have a degree more of organisation when you're going to kill someone. It, it seems like it very much was a crime of opportunity. I don't feel that this was a premeditated attack unless Nils and the other boy had decided to take these girls to do something terrible and then there was some type of murder, suicide yeah. murder pact that hasn't oh, gone right down. with the other two. I, I don't know. Because I, I find mean, we wanted to be Nils because Now he Nils was... was also quite bigger than the other the others as well. Obviously the two girls were fifteen, so they were never gonna they're always slight. And where were and these s- girls' mothers, really? And Seppo was even in Finland, I know that they're you know. <laughs> Seppo was quite short, but when you look at Nils, Nils has you know, Nils looks like an eighteen year old. Nils looks older than eighteen, to be honest with you. How does one attacker overpower or for drugs, or people, as the girl, one of the girls said that they weren't drinking. They probably were drinking, and they could have been out of it. And you hit one, you hit another. The other one runs. She ended up on top of the tent. It's to me, it looks like she was pulled out for nefarious purposes well, afterward. It's like we got rid of the. If you if you're going with Nils, it looks like he's got the other two down. And then pulled her yeah, out. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I know exactly. And we wanted to be Nils because that just. I don't know if I wanted to be Nils. Adds to the story. <laughs> Nils is walking around Finland free as a bird with forty five thousand euros. That's, that's right. Um, um, How? But I just I found this. I find this really interesting because it has everything. Everything that you've ever seen in all of those eighties horror movies, yeah, and it actually happened. Yeah, but okay, I don't. I'm not that much into 80s horror movies, but if this happened and in the end they said, and here's the murder and it's Nils, I think everyone would want their money back. I just doesn't. Oh, really? I think it's a great twist. It's not a twist, though, because he's obvious from the day one. It's obvious in day one that it's could be Nils. I think it's Nils. Oh, no, it's not Nils. Oh, it is Nils. But I don't know. I still have my doubts about Hans Asman. I, I just think... Because his face was so unique. Well, for Nils to yeah, get but had, out. had he had had he been in the paper? Had his picture been in the paper after the hit and run or whatever it was with um, the other girl? Kal- oh, that's a good point. He might have been Kaliki. seen before. He might have been seen him, and and if it was in the same vicinity, well, hang on a minute. But I I don't know. Was 
Nils was unconscious or something, wasn't he? Yeah, so he had a concussion and um, broken jaw. And no shoes. And skull fracture. Well, what did he do? Hit himself in the head with something? Well, possibly, but they think that it was Seppo that punched him in the jaw to oh, break okay, his jaw. Oh, okay, fine. All right then, fine. But they didn't find any – they didn't find the knives or they anything. They didn't find anything. So there can't be Nils. I mean, you're not going to stab yourself. Uh, uh, Unless uh, the homeless people stole it. Cause the they... homeless people, leave them alone. It wasn't <laughs> the homeless people. No, but I'm saying if you're missing clothing, especially a leather jacket like that, and you're homeless living in the woods and you come across it, I'd take it. Look, yeah, okay, yeah that's... won't be needing that anymore. Like, I'm not saying they did it, but I'm saying they oh, might no. have found not a if... utensil and got, oh, I'll take that as Not well. if he was in the... In the um... Not if he was in the tent. They wouldn't have gone into the tent because I mean they I don't would have think known. He was wearing the leather jacket at the time. He just yeah, but had they it would have him. known that they're prime suspects, the homeless people, because like, obviously they're the prime suspects and they shouldn't be. No, I don't know. It, it's just that just gets me the the clothes and that missing that were never found. Um, I can understand the shoe. Well, I can't understand the shoe bit, but I can understand it more than other bits and pieces being taken. Um, Something would have turned up. They would have gone to the homeless people and said, "Right, who's got the leather jacket?" Like, but would they have? Because three people confessed to this crime and they did nothing, so they might not have gone to the homeless people. Well, they, well, they probably would have. <laughs> because let's be honest, the a homeless doctor people... said this guy's come in with all of these bloody marks on him. Here's his clothes, and they didn't send and anyone to pick up dinner. the clothes. I so would they have asked? They didn't. Yeah, no, the they crisis. would have. They would have. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You are so nice. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no, no. No, but I, I think they would have probably gone around the homeless camps or whatever they were um, that time of the year in the summer and they would have come across things that have been taken and then somebody, some homeless people, here's some money, do you know who's got such and such? Oh, no. yeah, Bob over there in homeless shelter number seven, he's got a new leather Bob. jacket. <laughs> Bob. Bob. But do you know what I mean? That, no, no, no. It's, it's not the homeless people. They did nothing. So you're going with Asman. I want to go with Asman. I have my doubts about Nils, but this is, how do you, you're unconscious, you're stabbed, and there's no, where is the knives? But you can't the, stab yourself. You can. You can yeah, I know you yourself. can because I did it and people Christmas had it. two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly like you dropped it. That's different. <laughs> you know, that should be on a mystery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just don't let me cook in the kitchen. I don't, I don't know. I, no, there's too many. Look, we want it to be Neil's because that's going to just seal everything and it's going to tie it up in a nice big bow. But... I don't know how it could be Nils if there was no uh, knives, nothing that he could have bludgeoned. Where are they? There's no way he could have done that and then taken <laughs> run away. Where did he put them? They would have been found. Even with everyone trudging, is that a word? Yeah. Everywhere. Um, and, and wiping out footprints and blood splatter and, and, and whatever Finnish police and the army do, they still would have found no, even if he buried them, they would have found them. Somebody would have found something by now and they never did. So what did he do? Put them in his pocket and they didn't check his pockets. Like, no, I'd, I want it to be Nils because, as I said, big tidy bow or sign sealed delivered. You know, no, you're not guilty. Here's some money. <laughs> Go and you've suffered enough. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. If, if the knives would have been found, if whatever he'd bludgeoned them with had been found, um... 
if he would have left his shoes on his feet, that would have made more sense to me. But the shoes is just bizarre. The missing clothes were never found. The knives were never found. Whatever he bludgeoned through the tent with was never found. Where did he put them if he's the murderer? Because they watsied, you know, they dragged the lake. And I don't it, think they dragged the lake. They just had the soldiers search is all I could find. See, that's Oh, the, I, I was under the impression that they had dragged the lake, no. which made me think. So that's the other But other people, people nowadays would be in that lake looking because the other everyone's thing, into crime. The other thing that we are, we have to look at is that a lot of these reports, there's not a lot of English. We're only going what's in yeah, English. Well, so I couldn't find, for example, an autopsy report that actually showed what Nils's wounds actually were that's that had a look at what seppo and anya had actually gone through there's um there's always charts to show you where um, mela had been stabbed but there's nothing that i could find to say what anyone else had been through so that's another thing that we're kind of at a disadvantage at Hmm. i kind of feel but okay so we wanted to be nils but you think hans is probably more likely well and with that name but yeah, I just um, I'm probably more of the the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm probably more of the opinion that it was Gilstrom. Was uh, he the rock thrower? Yes. Mm. Um, just because he seems like a spontaneous, like a petulant okay, person. How many other people did he murder? Or did he just throw? Why would he decide I'm going to murder? Did they have a go at him? Did something? But why? Why wouldn't he? Because if he was like he was, and he's been doing this for years since he was the kiosk attendant. Um, but he also hated young people, and you don't know what can set people like that off. Mayla and and not speaking ill of the dead at all, but Mayla and Nils could have been getting it on, and that could have just set him off somehow. Do you know what I mean? It takes a lot for a sociopath. It doesn't take much for a sociopath, psychopath to to trigger yeah, if you've that, got it. Uh... Um, and the thing was, he had cut down tents, like he had cut them down before, so. For someone who cuts stuff down, it, oh, okay. it doesn't make, like, to actually stab them from the outside makes more sense Did to they me. ever, after, who was it, him that passed away and then the wife decided, met Took the, back her Okay, statement. did they ever check this well for anything that she presumably or he presumably threw down? I think they checked his property, and but his property had something like 20 wells on it and they only checked like three or something. Okay, well. From what I can remember they said on the podcast. Well, surely so. she would have known what well that they threw them all down. <laughs> well, maybe, but maybe she didn't. Maybe he didn't tell her. Maybe he just said, you're not saying a thing. If anyone asks where I was, you're going to give me my alibi. Because she said she only gave it because she was frightened he was going to beat the shit out of her because he mm. obviously wasn't a nice guy. So he's obviously got a hair-triggered temper. So the kids could have said anything, 15, 18-year-old kids saying anything mm. if he's walking past like bloody kids or setting up for the morning or something if he had the kiosk mm. that was in the area and it could have just So we're like the police. Snapped. We could just blame anybody. Like, but at least we're blaming someone. We're not just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And I just find it strange that he drowned himself in the lake. Did he drown himself? Or was it accidental? No, drowning? he drowned. He drowned himself. Apparently, oh, I he, thought it was accidental. He said before he drowned, he went, "Watch me take my last swim" or something, and then he never came up. Right. And then the other guy hung himself or was hung or... And the other guy, yeah, was hands. We've forgotten about him. Was it hands? Penty. No, Oh, it was they, Penty. yeah, yeah, we've sort of forgotten about him. Um, I don't know. Now, Penty makes a little bit more sense when you think he was kind of closer to, in age to them, so he could have had more of a... Did he know a, them? No, I don't think so. Um, but 
but being that age, it's probably easier to approach people. Do you know what I mean? To approach mm. people if you're going to. <clears throat> yeah, I still think there would have had to be an alcohol or drugs or something to. Yeah, well, there's definitely so alcohol. They don't move. Now, there was a there was a girl. She was a witness. She was never named, and she actually spoke at the trial. And her her story's been the, the same the whole time. And she actually said that the Lake Bodum, the guys at the campsite, came over to her campsite, um, and that the guys were drinking. And Nils and Seppo got into a fight and because when they started fighting, they then asked them to go back to their own campsite. But then the police said they had a look at where the girl said their campsite was and it was unreachable. So they don't think that that was a thing. But she's told the same story since 1960 and she went to the trial and, yeah, so that's... You just don't know. There's definitely alcohol involved. Like, there was alcohol there, and the boys were definitely drinking it. We can mm. say that much for certain. Um, but, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Well, it is, well, yes, that's why we're talking about it. It's fascinating. But, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think it was Neil's. Okay. That's fine. Like As I, as I said 40 times, <laughs> we want it to be because that ties it all up with a nice bow. But I don't know. I don't know. Sweet. I don't know. Well, guys, that was the Lake Bodum murder, which we haven't solved. <laughs> no, but we, it, we're not solving it. We're just we're taking our own little cracks at stuff. Um, yeah. So that was a bit of a long one. That was longer than I expected it to go a to. Lot longer. But great debate. So we might end that one there, and uh, we will be back next week with Mum's doing William Dumb. Desmond Taylor. Well, uh, she's doing. I'm <laughs> just going to answer the questions of what I know and what I've been interested in for the last few years. So you won't hear me jabbering on so much. You will. all be Des Lee. No way. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.